0: All right, well, good morning. Yeah, welcome to Oak Point Church. I'm Matt Minard. I get the privilege of sharing with you this morning in our series, Classic Christmas Carols, and we got to sing a couple great ones right there at the beginning, but that's not exactly what our series is about. Our series is about four really, like, original uh, Christmas carols from the Book of Luke, chapters one and two. There were four like poetic proclamations um, of what God has done for us in sending Jesus to the earth for us, and a pretty cool group of songs. They've been traditionally considered hymns. Last week, Mark took us through Mary's song, which was a pretty cool testimony, I think, of um, God's faithfulness, of her humility, of her trust in God, and of her love for Scripture. Um, so that was, that was awesome last week. And this week, we get a chance to look at Zechariah's song in Luke chapter 1. Zechariah um, was John the Baptist's dad. He and his wife, Elizabeth, uh, came just before Jesus, and, and they were John the Baptist's parents. And if you know John the Baptist, he was a prophet that God sent just before Jesus came to basically prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, to prepare the way for Jesus. And we find John out in the wilderness, out in the desert, preaching this message of repentance, of turning back to God, preaching that God's uh, kingdom is coming, that Jesus is coming. Um, And then we see him baptizing people who who are coming to him and are turning back to God, who are repenting And before John is born, um, Elizabeth and and Zechariah knew that John was going to be a special child. And so it is right after John's birth that Zechariah gives us his song in Luke 1. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, "'Blessed be the Lord God of Israel,' To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people, in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sun rise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. By itself, this is just an amazing hymn of praise, right? This is just like the perfect Christmas carol as we enter Advent season, we think about Jesus uh, and as he came to earth for us. And Zechariah says, Praise the God who comes to earth for us, the God who saves us, the God who forgives us, the God who's merciful, the God who brings light into the darkness that's in the world and the darkness that's in our hearts, And at the same time, it's this amazing prophetic song about this child John that God is going to use just in mighty ways before Jesus comes. And I love that Luke and other authors of Scripture um, don't just give us the song, and we're going to be looking at the song this morning, but they also give us the backstory, uh, the, the history of John and of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And it really helps us understand like why Zechariah is singing this song. And I think as we look at Zechariah's song this morning, we're going to see that um, this is an amazing song of praise and of prophecy that is born out of struggle, that's born out of prayer, that's born out of waiting on God, uh, that's born out of seeing prayer answered, and and born out of some people that are experiencing and have experienced God's forgiveness, his mercy, and his salvation. Have you ever wanted something for like a really, really long time and you didn't get it? (laughs) Uh, and then way later, you'd probably given up hope on it, and then all of a sudden, you got it, right? Uh, I, had that, I got that experience just a few weeks ago. Some of you, uh, if you know me at all, know I'm a football coach at Northville High School. And that's a big part of my life. Um, And we got a victory against one of our local rivals, Catholic Central, which had been something I had been wanting for a long time, like maybe 15 years or longer uh, since my first loss to them a long time ago. Um, And when we got that win, if you saw me at all in November, you and I probably talked about that, right? That's what people do when they're excited about something like that. And this is what happened with Zechariah. Zechariah and Elizabeth had been waiting for something, really two things. For their entire lifetime. And then God heard them and answered their prayer and Zechariah couldn't help but share about it. Zechariah's song happens just after John's birth. Uh, but John's story really starts long before this. We see John in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 40. And this is almost 700 years before John and before Jesus come on the scene. Isaiah says, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. All four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they all tell us that that passage in Isaiah written 700 years earlier, that that is about John the Baptist as he comes to prepare the way for the Lord and to turn people back to God because God's kingdom is coming. And then a few hundred years later, about 400 years, before Jesus' birth, before John's birth, Malachi also speaks twice about the coming of the same person that Isaiah spoke about. And these were the last recorded words of prophecy in the Old Testament. It's the end of our uh, Old Testament Bible. Uh, It's the end of the prophetic section of the Jewish scriptures. And so Malachi 1st writes in Malachi 3, See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way Before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. And then the very final words in the book of Malachi, Malachi 4, he writes, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And just like Isaiah, before the Messiah comes, Malachi says there's going to be this prophet who prepares the way. And we later find out that that prophet is John the Baptist. But here's the thing. When, when Malachi gives that, at the end of that, there's basically like a mic drop. Like there's nothing else for 400 years. There's, there's no Messiah. There's no word from God. It just feels like God has gone silent. And meanwhile, the the Jewish nation just passes from like one ruling nation to another. They're ruled, you know, originally by Babylon and then by Persia and then Greece. And then finally, they're under Roman rule and oppression and things are just not going well for them. And it's been 400 years, no word from God, no Messiah, no king um, in the line of David. But they're praying for it every day. They're praying for it regularly at the temple, at home, for those hundreds of years. And so finally, after those hundreds of years, we come to Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph, right, and Jesus and John. And none of them uh, were particularly noteworthy, not famous, not rich, not, you know, uh, with a lot of power or anything like that, but they were just faithful people that loved God. Zechariah, we find, was a Jewish priest. He and his wife, Elizabeth, were from the the line of Aaron. And we read this about them in Luke 1. They were both righteous before God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years." I use the ESV translation for that because I I like that they said that they were advanced in years, right? Like, you know, I've got a Bible that's got some larger print here because I'm advanced in years a little bit. But uh, at this point, right, they, they were unable to bear children anymore. They were past the point in their lives really where that was possible. They didn't have children, but they were still faithfully serving God with their lives. And one day, Zechariah was just doing his his priestly duty, Uh, he's at the temple, and the the priests gather and every day at the end of the sacrifices, they cast lots, which is basically like having a little lottery, um, and they decide who's going to be the one priest that goes into the holy place that offers incense, which is kind of representing the prayers of the nation so that the prayers can go up to God. And uh, it would be probably the highest honor that like the average priest, that someone who wasn't the high priest, probably the highest honor that they could have in their entire lifetime. And many of them never got to do it uh, because there were tens of thousands of priests and it was like once a day. Um, But on this day, Zechariah won that lottery. He got the chance to go in to the holy place and offer uh, the incense for the prayers of the nation. And we definitely see later in the story that it wasn't luck, that God's you know, fingerprints were all over that. But uh, he goes in, the crowd gathers outside as they always would for the daily prayers, and he goes in to burn the incense, and he gets more than he expected. We see this in Luke 1. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He'll turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. The angel speaks almost the very last words that we found in the book of Malachi chapter 4. Those last words of prophecy from 400 years ago. He tells Zechariah, you're going to have a son. That son is going to be this prophet that's going to come in the power and spirit of Elijah and to get people ready for the coming of Messiah, of Jesus. And Zechariah, I think, responds the way I might. He says, are you serious right now? Right? He said, no. But he reacts with some surprise and some doubt. Uh, In Luke 1:18, Zechariah said to the angel, "How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years." Now Zechariah knows the Old Testament. He knows that God is a a God of miracles. He knows the story of God giving Abraham and Sarah miraculously an heir when they were also older. But like so many before him, and so many that come after him, like so many of us, uh, he had some doubts, and he asked the angel for a sign. Right? How shall I know this? And the angel's response, it's, it's almost like comic relief in the passage, right? The angel says, you want a sign? Like, I'm an angel, right? I'm the sign, okay? But he says, I will. I'll give you another sign, a sign that's going to be for you and for the people around you. So in Luke 1, the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you didn't believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Right? And so Zechariah loses, at least temporarily, his ability to speak because of his doubt. And so the angel leaves, and, and Zechariah leaves the holy place and go out, and, and the crowd is outside gathering, waiting for him. He must have been in there a long time, because it says that they were wondering like, what was taking him so long in the holy place. Um, and he comes out, and they ask him what was going on, and he tries to tell him, He's like, you know, and then he's got to just gesture to him with symbols like, you know, there was this angel and was, he told me this. And they, they knew something had happened. They'd seen a vision, but he couldn't explain to them what had happened. And so he went home and miraculously he returns home and Elizabeth becomes pregnant. And nine months later, they have a child, right? John is, is born to them. And Zechariah still can't speak. But eight days after John's born, they they follow the, the Jewish law and they're gonna have the baby circumcised and they're getting ready for the circumcision and the, the family, the community would be there as, as part of this ceremony, and they're ready to name the baby Zechariah. It'd be like Zechariah Jr. That would just be kind of expected in that culture. And Elizabeth speaks up because Zechariah can't. And Elizabeth says, no, his, his name's supposed to be John. And they kind of look at her like, well, why would it be John? There's nobody in the family named John. Like, where does that come from? And they kind of turn to Zechariah, and he just writes down on a tablet and holds it up and says, his name is John. And, uh, We read in Luke 1 64, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. Right? Zechariah miraculously could speak again. And the first words out of his mouth are praise to God. When he he finally proclaims this song of praise, right, it erupts out of joy for what's happening, right? Thankfulness for this child that he's having. Uh, thankfulness of seeing prayer answered, knowing that the Messiah is coming and that God is going to use this child along the way. And so again, I'm going to read that song again. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he's visited and redeemed his people. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show the mercy promised to our fathers, to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, we might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, you'll be called the prophet of the Most High, for you'll go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our god whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace now that's a song right that's a christmas carol that we can celebrate and as i study this passage and kind of the story leading into it there are three things that really hit me uh, that led zechariah to deliver this hymn of praise. And the first one is that Zechariah's song is just so clearly born out of struggle, right? It's born out of personal struggle. It's born out of this national struggle that he shares such a burden in. I mean, there's obviously that personal side that he and Elizabeth weren't able to to have a child, and that was a really big deal. I mean, Jews would have viewed it as a command of God to procreate. It might have even been the ultimate purpose of marriage for them. And so they would even feel like, in some ways, as they were trying to serve God, that somehow they were letting God down in that having children. And it would be a big deal in the community around them. People would be looking at them and wondering, like, why can't they have children? Like, why, why isn't God's favor on them? What have they done wrong? Uh, later in Luke, Elizabeth talks about the shame and disgrace she felt at not being able to have a child. And so ultimately, they were like living under the cloud of that for their entire married lives. But they were also part of this larger struggle, right? This nation that is under Roman oppression, waiting for the Messiah. I mean, Zechariah's job day after day was to go uh, to the temple, to pray, to lead worship, uh, help in the sacrificial system. But Israel was in a big-time drought, right? Not a drought like the Detroit Lions, right? 31 years without a playoff win. I think we're, we're going to get the end of that one soon here, I hope. But no, they were in a 400-year drought, so the silent years, right? Right? And it must have felt hopeless, and it couldn't have felt more hopeless to anybody than people like Zechariah and Elizabeth, who had given their entire lives, right, personally and professionally, to serving and following the Lord and and in the hope of the Messiah. And so his song, it just reflects his lifetime of struggle. It reflects the century-long struggle that the people had gone through. You've delivered us from enemies, he says. From the hands of those who hate us you're bringing light into darkness he sees the result of that and when we first read about zechariah and elizabeth right it said they were righteous they were walking blame blamelessly but they weren't perfect right they were just faithful servants and faithful servants still have struggles we know that right throughout the bible some of the most uh, faithful people go through some of the most adverse circumstances that we see and it's just so good to know that that we're not alone, right, in our struggles. Sometimes we we see people, maybe you're scrolling through social media, right? Or maybe you're seeing people on TV, maybe you're even seeing people um, that are, you know, up on stage at church or whatever. And you're just feeling like, oh, these people they have such a good life. Mine, mine's not like that. Mine is so hard. I wish my life was like that. But we don't have to believe the lie that we're the only ones in a battle, right? Uh, It could be financial hardship, physical challenges, mental health challenges, fractured relationships, insecurity, doubts like Zechariah dealt with, failures, shame like that couple dealt with, stress, battles with sin, right? Even enemies. You have struggles. I have struggles. Uh, Leaders serving in the church have struggles. You might remember Pastor Eli Garza was here um, a few months ago, I think, and he, he had recently posted an article on Facebook, and it was talking about some of the biggest struggles that leaders in ministry face, and two of the biggest struggles were discouragement and loneliness, right? And I suspect Zechariah and Elizabeth dealt with discouragement, right? Nearly a, a lifetime without children and without a word from God. So we need to be encouraging each other, all of us, in our struggles, And uh, as I've been here at Oak Point Camp, I've seen a ton of that, which is awesome. And I'd also encourage you, um, when you get a chance, really encourage our our people that are serving here, uh, you know, full and part-time in ministry at Oak Point Camp, whether it's Pastor Mark McKenzie, uh, whether it's Becky, whether it's uh, Zeke, whether it's Mike, whether it's Val, um, you know, they they spend a ton of time pouring into people they need pouring into also. Uh, Encourage them and encourage those around you, right? Encourage those around you. We all need it. There's going to be struggles for all of us it's it's all about how we deal with what this broken world is throwing at us do we turn to the one that loves us and wants what's best for us and that kind of leads into the second thought about the song zechariah's song is also born out of waiting it's born out of waiting and in scripture the idea of waiting is not passive uh, waiting in Scripture is an active hope. It's it's consistent prayer. It's consistent expectation that God is going to follow through on his promises. It's a consistent walk with God in the midst of that, even when we're not seeing the answers, right? That's waiting on God. And for Zechariah and Elizabeth, there was a lot of waiting on the Lord, right? They waited personally for a child for a lifetime. They prayed for it. They asked for it. They hoped for it. And as the years passed, they they probably gave up hope, Right? But in the midst of the shame that they felt, the disappointment, the disgrace that they were feeling, you know, around them, remember what Luke said about them. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. I mean, when you think about it, there was other directions their lives could have gone. (laughs) Um, At that time in that culture, Zechariah could have divorced and married another woman to try to have children. He could have taken a a second wife. Um, Neither of those things would have been honorable, but it wouldn't have been unheard of in that culture either to do that. Or the family uh, could have just uh, gotten mad at God and could have allowed that relationship with God to be fractured and broken and, and blamed God and turned away from him. But instead, they just continued to, to love God and to serve him faithfully, right? They, they waited on God. And then they had some unique waiting thrust on them. I mean, Zechariah had the nine plus months where he couldn't speak uh, when Elizabeth found out she was pregnant, Luke says that she kind of went into seclusion for five months. And so they had this time together, a really extended period of time. And you could just imagine, right? You got Zechariah, you know, if he wants to talk to Elizabeth, he's got to write stuff down on a tablet, you know, and hold it up to her, or something like that. He's probably writing these cute little love messages, right, to her on the tablets. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, they must have been praying, having this time for what was happening to sink in, looking back at the Old Testament, Isaiah, Malachi, these passages, time to listen to God. Uh, it's, it's a good thing, I think, sometimes to be able to slow down our lives to hear from God. And this one in particular just made me think, have you ever been like forced to slow down your life instead of choosing to? Um, Just even people in here, themselves or family members, that whether it was through loss of a job, whether it was through a a physical uh, ailment kind of knocking you out, what an encouragement it has been to see people just waiting on God in the midst of some of those tough situations, diving into the Bible, praying, reaching those around them in the midst of the challenges. And we know that's what Elizabeth and Zechariah did in their lifetime because at every opportunity, we see them uh, rejoicing and praising the Lord. And when the child was born, those around him rejoiced with him. In Luke one fifty-eight, it says, Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. Right? So much of their waiting in life was with people around them, uh, waiting for the Messiah, waiting for God's deliverance. As a priest and even as worshipers, they would have participated in a tradition that would have dated back hundreds of years before that and continues even to today in Judaism, but they would have prayed the Amida, the 18 benedictions, these 18 prayers for Messiah to come, uh, for God to reign, for the kingdom to be restored, for forgiveness, right? These 18 prayers. And hundreds of years before they came, this would have been being prayed, And so when Zechariah wins the lottery and and when he offers the incense in the holy place, he is offering up, right, the prayers of the nation to God. Prayers of the nations have been going on for hundreds of years. And remember what the angel said to him Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Zechariah and Elizabeth's heart's desire had been for a child. And he says, "Your, Your wife. We'll, we'll give you a child. And, and their heart's desire had been for the Messiah to come. And the angel says, he's coming, right? And your son is going to prepare the way for him. One of the things that amazes me about the answered prayer in this situation is that I think it really shows the heart of God for individual people. Because when you think about it, right? Jesus is coming on the scene, the Messiah who's been, you know, predicted in the Old Testament is coming on the scene. This has to be the busiest time, maybe since creation, the busiest time in all of history in the spiritual realm. You've got all the angels and Gabriel going around giving messages and doing all these things on Earth. You have to think that Satan uh, was trying to do his his best to thwart God's plans. God is working the timing to be perfect to have all of the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus fulfilled in a specific time and place. And in the midst of all that stuff that's going on, God hears this lifelong prayer of this couple and he answers it. It's, it's pretty cool. So when Zechariah proclaims a song, he says, we waited on God and God is now doing it, right? God has come, has redeemed his people. He's raising up this horn of salvation in the house of his servant David. He's remembering his holy covenant, his oath to Abraham, rescuing us from enemies, bringing knowledge of salvation, light in the darkness, and he's going to use this child, this miracle baby, their son, God hears our prayers and he, he wants us to wait on him with expectant hope, trust in him and his timing. And there's just, there's so many amazing passages in scripture about waiting on God. There's famous ones you, you could be familiar with, like Isaiah 40, right? Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount, they shall mount up on, uh, with wings like eagles. Lamentations 3, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. But there was a time in my family's life that we were waiting on God when something really tough was hitting our family. And Psalm 37 really spoke to Emily. Um, in turn, it impacted me. And there are three different times in that psalm that it talks about waiting on God. Uh, excuse me. One of those times in Psalm 37, uh, verse 34, Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. For us, it was a period of, of several years of waiting, trusting God, trying to keep his way. For Zechariah and Elizabeth, it was nearly a lifetime, right? For those that had been praying for Messiah for hundreds of years before them, they didn't even see the answer to their prayers while they were here on earth. The angel told Zechariah, the words are going to be fulfilled, but they're going to be in God's timing, right? Not in our timing. He wants us to wait on him. And we don't always get what we ask for. We saw that with Paul. Asking God three times. We saw that with Jesus asking God three times and God saying no, but God wants us. He wants us to ask him. He wants us to wait on him because he loves us, right? He's, he's a loving parent that wants to give us good gifts. I just wonder this week, is there an area of your life where you personally need to wait on God? And can you do it with others, right, that can celebrate with you, but that can also share the burden with you? Uh, this is an area I think God is challenging and growing me in. And are you also waiting expectantly for Christ's return, right? At at Advent, uh, we celebrate Christ's first coming to earth, but we can be like Zechariah and Elizabeth were, and we can be praying for the return of Jesus when he's going to come back and he's going to fix this broken world. And that fix began at Christ's first coming, right? And the mercy, the forgiveness, the salvation that he brings, those are at the heart of Zechariah's song. And that leads us to the final thought which is Zechariah's song is born out of undeserved deliverance. There's some pretty clear recurring themes, I think, in Luke 1 and 2 and in Zechariah's song. Obviously, mercy, forgiveness, and salvation. But just in that short song, Zechariah uses language about those at least seven times. Um, Among those, he talks about God has come to save us from our enemies. But as as he talks about this, he never says that God is going to deliver them because of what they did. He says it's because God remembered and was going to follow through on his promises, on his oath, and because God is merciful and forgiving. See, God saves because he's faithful, right? Not because we are. He was sending a Messiah from the line of David to bless everybody on the earth, but not because they deserve it, but because he's merciful and forgiving, because he promised it, and God always keeps his promises. And when Zechariah speaks to John, and says, you'll go before the Lord to prepare a way for him, bringing the knowledge of salvation through forgiveness of sins. That, that was John the Baptist's message that we see throughout the gospel. Our hearts are full of sin, right? So repent, turn back to God, give those things over to him. Trust in him for the work that he did on the cross and he will forgive our sins. And, and you have true salvation, right? Brought from death to life to spend eternity with him. And this is really the heart of the gospel, I hope you've been reading a little devotional book. A lot of people got free copies. I don't know if there's still a couple copies hanging around. And you're going to get to Zechariah's song if you're following along. The days you're going to get to it this week. Uh, And one of the things that uh, Nancy Wogmuth says is, "But Zechariah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was speaking of far greater enemies than mere political oppression. He was speaking of salvation from the ultimate enemies: sin, death, and Satan." as well as from the righteous wrath of God's judgment on all unrighteous humanity. Uh, when I was a teenager, I went to a summer camp in Toronto, and there was a speaker, Brett Ray. some of you may have have heard him. He still speaks, I think, even to this day, and at the time, he told all these crazy stories about his life, about drugs, about almost drowning, because he had like this Alice cooper t shirt that he didn 't want to get wet, and he almost drowned, things like that, and he also spoke about these people who he had seen Jesus in them and how it changed his life. and I remember at the time at that camp, like i couldn 't identify with, with most of his stories. But there was something in me that I saw the need in him that he was talking about, and I had that same need in me, and I recognized that need, um, and and we kind of connected in that sense. And it became pretty clear to me during that week that I had no other choice, but I just had to follow Jesus wholeheartedly with my life. And if that's something um, that you personally haven't understood or accepted, the good news of that Christmas message, I'd I'd invite you to do that this morning. Something you can do in the quiet of your heart. It's something you could do now. It's something you could do after service. You could talk to somebody. You talk to me. We'll have a prayer team up front. Uh, But it's something that you can do very easily. You just turn over your life to God. You You can say to God in prayer, God, I'm not perfect. I'm broken. I'm sinful. I have a need for you. And I know that you sent Jesus to earth for me to die on the cross for my sins. I didn't deserve it, but I accept that that free gift from you. And that's the beginning of a relationship with him. And for those of us that have given our life over to Jesus already, the gospel message is still for us, right? We live in the brokenness, the struggle, the sin, the doubts, the need for him, and we've got to give it over to God regularly. We need to wait on him. Zechariah's song, right? We We don't deserve it, but God saves He makes promises. He keeps them in his timing, not ours. He delivers us. He saves us in his mercy. He does it through forgiveness of sins, and and our response should be to praise and to serve him. Is Zechariah's song your song? That was a song that was in this book that was asked about Mary. Is is his song your song, or what would your song say? Would Would it recognize this just undeserved deliverance we have from God? Would it, would it have impossible struggles and challenges that, that you have to turn over to God? Would it encourage others to wait on God? Zechariah's song's been an encouragement and a challenge to me these last few weeks, and I hope it's an encouragement to you to know that you're not alone in your struggles, uh, that he wants you to wait on him, and he wants you to, to experience his deliverance and, and share that with others. Uh, One of our responses this morning is going to be to to celebrate communion together, to remember what Christ did for us on the cross, giving up his body, shedding his blood so that our sins could be forgiven, we could be delivered from death to life through him. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11 that we need to examine ourselves before we partake in communion. So we're just going to take a brief uh, moment of silence, just confess to him where you fall short. Uh, prepare yourself to celebrate communion, and then we'll take the elements together um, in a few minutes. So spend a moment with God. So the, the bread and the, the juice that we take together, these are, are symbols that we take as a as a reminder of Christ's sacrifice for us. Um, it's something the church will continue to observe until Christ comes again. And so if you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet, it's okay to, to not participate in this. We encourage you to keep coming back wherever you are on your journey um, and continue to, to be here and let God speak to you. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup together. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that you are a God of mercy. I thank you that in that mercy you sent Jesus to bring us salvation through forgiveness of sins. And thank you that you see our struggles, that you hear our prayers. Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would empower us to wait on you, uh, to praise you, to see you at work, and to be an encouragement to those around you. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.